Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, I think we have an awesome show lineup for today. Um, you know, and we're going to talk about some. We're going to talk about vacations a lot. The whole thing. The whole thing's pretty much about vacations, <laughs> which I love because that's one of my favorite topics. But uh, but it's two different spins on vacations. You know, the first one's about taking vacations, right? Cheap ones. There you go. We I like, like that. we like to save money on there. It doesn't mean it's not fun. You can have a cheap vacation and it'd be like one of the best. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. We have, have fun and do it on the on the. On the on the cheap, cheap. We yeah. have thirteen ideas here. That's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing those myself. That'll be good. And then, uh, but then we're going to talk about the other side of vacation, and that is buying an investment vacation home. All right, if you're considering that, we're going to give you reasons to think again because <laughs> there's a lot of negatives to that. So I know it's an exciting thing. You come home, you've had your your fantastic vacation. You're thinking, man, I want to do this all the time. So I'm just going to buy a house there. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I mean, there's it's a lot of things that say, think again, that that may be a really bad idea. So we're going to give you some reasons to double think that thought. But uh, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a smart investor pro with over 23 years of experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey smart investor pro and have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have the podcast up there and a link to the historical ones, which we've got a couple hundred now going on. And a lot of videos, a lot of tools. Go check out the resource section. Uh, also, Facebook. Uh, we have a face- Facebook page that we put um, a weekly video up. So um, I think it's my, my turn this week. That's right. It is definitely your turn. <laughs> yes, it is. I think you're a little behind there. But yes, we um we have uh just a lot of information, a lot of resources on our website, so do check all that out. But at the same time, email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or you can link to us right off of our website. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yes, Dave, we see this a lot and have conversations with folks and um you know High stock dividend yields are attractive, right? You know, you look at interest rates are very, very low, and we see a lot of retirees and others focused on income needs, and they'll look at um, a stock that has a 5% or even a 55 to 6% um, dividend yield, and they're like, wow, that's really good. I could go put my money there and, and make 5% on it. Well, you know, the, the thing about the dividend yield, it tells you nothing about the company's health or the prospects for the future, and an attractively high dividend yield can be a very bad sign, and usually it means that the stock prices drop significantly. So right. you're, you're taking some pretty significant risk just going after dividend yield. Yeah, absolutely. You know, plus, I mean, if you're buying one stock, you're assuming a lot of a lot of risk with one stock. You know, if you're going for dividend yield, it usually means you got to buy even one or a half dozen stocks. So you want to diversify. You don't want to focus just on dividends. You know, it doesn't matter whether the return comes from gains or whether it comes from dividends or interest. Mm-hmm. You just want a total return. And in fact, you know, most of the time gains are long term and they're they're uh, taxed favorably. Yeah. Therefore, be diversified. And I think we talked about last week, uh, GE um, has had a consistent dividend forever and they've cut it multiple times over the last couple of years. And oh, by the way, they've made no money for your investor after 22 years. So. Ouch. 
be careful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up to the 13 cheap vacation ideas. It's that time of the year, you know? It is. I love talking about vacations. Yeah, you know, this comes from Dave Ramsey. He's got some really good ideas here. You know, the kids are out of school. The beach is calling your name. Um, you know, every free hour seems like a good opportunity to, to go on vacation, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was dreaming about vacations there. And, uh, you know, if you, you've got a budget, we all have budgets, um, you got to take a look at, at vacation. You can sink a lot of money in vacations. And unfortunately, for some folks, vacations follow them back home, right? Because they're not paid for. So we like vacations that are that are taken care of and pre-planned. And so we're just going to dive right in. The first one here, Steve, not real exciting, but, you know, I like it. Um, take a tour of your own city. You know, that yeah. is a pretty interesting thing to do. I mean, if you're in an interesting city, like we live in Aiken, it's a pretty interesting city. Got a lot of history. Yeah. That's a great idea. Go check out historical sites, um, you know, museums and so forth. And we've lived here a long time. And we honestly, we haven't been to a lot of places. We always go away to go to museums or, or different places. So take a look at your own city. There's a lot of, you know, hidden gems in there that you can go check out. And that will definitely be on the cheap as well. So the second one here is go camping. Camping's a good idea. It's not for everybody. <laughs> not everybody likes idea. to camp. You know, if you don't like the camping experience, you can go to Airbnb and they can cover you for as little as, as 39 bucks a night. And, you know, a lot of people call this glamping. So it's <laughs> glorified camping, right? That's so right. Yeah. you don't have the whole experience of being outdoors and so forth. But, you know, camping's really um, is a neat experience. My uh, brother just took his family along with a couple other families they went out west um and they they rented an rv and wow. went out and for two weeks and saw you know the rocky mountains so now that wow. was probably not inexpensive but you know pretty a neat idea that's a neat idea yeah and i love our national parks anyway so you know going out west is a good idea another one here though is is go to a less popular the less popular beach you know certain beaches are going to be more popular and pricier than other ones um, Key West, Laguna Beach, you know, for example. But, you know, if you know where to look, you can save a lot of money and still, you know, just watch the tide roll in and have a great time. I mean, coastline beaches are going to be more expensive than beaches on the Gulf. So you can go to the Gulf Coast. There's a lot of nice beaches down there, clear water, those type beaches on the on the Gulf. Um, just also some beaches that are less popular, you know, around here, you mm -hmm. know I mean? Garden city, things like that. Sure. But, you know, and if you go a certain time of year too, it makes a big difference, but, uh, yeah, just do it, do it on the cheap. That's yeah. a good idea. And then another one here, Steve is, uh, book your travel packages using warehouse stores. I didn't realize this. Um, you know, it doesn't sound, uh, too tempting, but you know, Costco actually has pretty good deals on vacation packages. So if you're planning a more elaborate vacation, you might want to check out what they have to offer. They had a deal for uh, some accommodations down at Disney World with um, some tickets associated with it for about $1,900, which would have saved you over 300 if you would have gone directly to Disney and booked these vacations. So Costco, I guess Sam's yep. would have it as well, maybe. Um, AAA you know, does some of that. So check those out. Yeah, there's some deals out there, no doubt. So you don't want to overlook those. Another way to do it, John, is to stay with family or friends. You know, you can combine the vacation with uh, just a great opportunity to connect with some, some old friends and family. You know, it's not as glamorous, and, and some people might not even consider a true vacation, but staying with friends and family is a, is a great cheap vacation idea. Plus, you get to spend time with people you love. But, I mean, make sure you're a great guest, though, while you're there. You know, don't be a mooch. Clean up after yourself. Pay for the groceries. Cook some meals. Show your gratitude. Maybe even 
treat them to dinner out or dessert, you know, while you're in town. Um, you know, you want to score an invite back, but that's a great way to, to mix vacation with, uh, visiting. Yeah. And if you're not invited back, that may be a sign, right? That would be a bad sign. <laughs> so you want to, you want to win an invite back. For that's sure. right. I like that one. Another one here, Steve, that I know you and I have talked about is travel during the off season. Um, everyone lo- loves taking a vacation in the summer, but you know, pushing it out or even pulling it forward a couple of weeks or months can save you a bundle. We just got back from uh, Hilton Head and we went, um, you know, before schools are out. And so the prices are discounted. And um, I know you've been skiing before out west. And if you sure. can do it right before the Christmas vacation, um, you know, then you can score a deal. Oh, that's a great time to do it. Right before Christmas, nobody goes anywhere. So just about anywhere you vacation the week before Christmas is going to be a fantastic yeah, deal. it really is. So do your research. Great way to go to a really nice place. It's just not peak season, a little bit off season, but you can save a bundle doing that. So it's a good one. And another one here is just go away on a weekend trip. You don't have to go on a week-long trip or even a 10-day trip. Certainly not going to be as expensive. Um, you can budget that quick weekend getaway, and you might be pleasantly surprised about how affordable it is. So, you know, um, weekends or even going during the middle of the week also would be a good option. That's right. Yeah, middle of the week, that's the next one here. You know, take the vacation on a weekday. So if you have some flexibility in your schedule and you can do it on off days, weekdays are always cheaper than weekends, pretty much anywhere. So I know this is exactly opposite of the last deal, but hear us out here. I mean, most of the time when you're booking a hotel or Airbnb for the weekend is going to be a lot pricier than during the week. So if you can afford to use some vacation time from work or if you're retired, do a midweek vacation. It can even be a quick vacation, you know, a Thursday, Friday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to save some bucks. Yeah. Another one here on the list, Steve, which we mentioned earlier, is uh, visit a national park. I mean, the greatest thing about nature, or one of the great things, is it's free. I mean, it really is such a great benefit. It's beautiful. Um, you know, don't sweat if you don't live near the Yosemite or the Grand Canyon. Um, there are 60 national parks across the United States. So find one near you and go explore. I mean, there's a lot of them up in North Carolina. Uh, if you like hiking, you yep. can go do that um, a little bit as well. So another one here is stay at a bed and breakfast. Now, some B&Bs are, are you know, over the top and very expensive, but a lot of them are budget friendly and they will give you meals and activities. Um, they roll that into the price of a nightly stay. So do some research. Uh, bed and breakfast is, is another idea. Yeah. And I love that because you get to know some of the locals, you know, mm-hmm. right there. Usually the, the people that are hosting you the bed and breakfast, you get to talk to them and kind of make friends with them. That's neat. Um, next one here is explore uh, your own region. You know, taking a vacation doesn't mean you have to go to Disneyland or Paris or a Caribbean cruise. If you want a cheap vacation idea, um, look no further than your own region. You know, decide to go somewhere that <clears throat> maybe is just an hour or two away from your home, um, you know, and you'll be out of town uh, while hopefully avoiding the sticker shock of a busy vacation area. Not to mention you'll save some money. So just driving, you know, out around your area within a couple hours distance, there's a lot of neat things to see in all these small towns Mm -hmm. that you probably haven't visited. So that's a great idea. Yep. Another one here is book in advance. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to book years out, but, you know, do some planning. Um, The chances of you getting good prices are a lot higher when you don't wait until a month or two before you go. I know Disney um, has that. We've we've been there many years ago, and yet you, you you do have to plan. Those things fill up. They raise the prices. 
Um, however, if you have flexibility, you can go on last minute trips, right? So yep. kids are out of the house, you're retired. Um, you can go to Groupon, Expedia, uh, Hotel Tonight. You know, they have uh, unused inventory, and if they don't use them and sell them, then they go by the wayside. So if you do have some flexibility um, and you're not traveling with a bunch of people, you can wait to the last minute, but that's a little bit more difficult for most folks. So, but uh, book in advance or have some flexibility. And the last one is just take a staycation, stay around the house, maybe get some projects done, go out to a nice, you know, uh, restaurant, uh, dining experience downtown. Um, just kind of chill out. That's probably the least expensive. Yeah, that would be really inexpensive. <laughs> I like yeah, that one. Yeah. For me, that's not quite. That is good. I got to go somewhere. You got to get out of town. But I get it. And, you know, for some people, that's that's a nice deal. So that's a great list. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with um, life insurance. And are there any circumstances under which someone who is still relatively young should cancel his or her life insurance? And I mean, I think the answer is, yeah, sure there is. Sure. Um, you know, you should cancel it when the purpose that you bought it for has disappeared um, and, and is no longer there. If you don't need the life insurance, then you can certainly cancel it. I think, you know, when you start looking at term policies, most people get the policies that kind of coordinate uh, and correspond with their retirement date. Right. And then that goes away and then you don't, you're self-insured. But in general, right. yeah, there are some reasons why you would cancel it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, people get, you know, insurance on a, on a small child, you know, in case, you know, something were to happen um, when they're very young as an infant. And, uh, you know, when they get a little bit older and they're past that stage, you can let that insurance go. Um, it's just something to cover, you know, expenses if you if you had something happen when they're really young. But, uh, but yeah, there are lots of situations. You just got to evaluate what's the need for the insurance. That's the key. Is the need still there? How much insurance do you need? Your, your amount of insurance changes, too. So you ought to evaluate your policies every couple of years and make sure that you have the right amount of insurance and you're covering a specific need that still exists. Mm -hmm. So that's a great, great uh, question of the week. All right. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is buying an investment vacation home. Think again. Think again. Think again. Yeah, this is a good article uh, out of Bloomberg from Ben Staverman. Staverman. And, um, you know, I mean, summer, John, it's a great time to relax, kick back. Um, you know, sometimes, though, it also comes with making some <laughs> silly financial decisions. You know, I mean, whether it's buying a new RV or uh, trying to time the stock market, you know, summer can be a time when people get a little bit too much time on their hands, maybe, or a little bit too much sun on the brain, perhaps, <laughs> you know, and they kind of let it hurt their financial future. <clears throat> so, I mean, no, we're not talking about buying the $30,000 timeshare. That's another whole boneheaded topic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. That is usually a terrible idea. Um, but we're talking about, you know, buying a new vacation home as your next investment property. And I know many people, you know, that's their dream. And it can facilitate a lot of great family gatherings. Um but eventually, the financial reality of it sets in. So you have to ask yourself if owning is really better than the occasional rental. Um, you know, I know most people dream about buying that beach house with the surf on one side and the golf course on the other, or maybe the cabin, you know, with the exclusive in the exclusive lake resort in the mountains. You know, I mean, that that would be nice. But you know, it's an and it's an intoxicating appeal to make. Even the shrewdest investors kind of tilt the numbers in your favor 
for doing that, but you got to step back and take a close, realistic look at the picture. And a lot of times, even a fifth grader can see that if you look at the picture really closely, <laughs> it spells stupid. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <clears throat> yeah, that's how most uh, uh, of us financial advisors see that. When you look at the math, we uh, often see clients get a hankering for that summer house after returning from a great summer vacation. And sales of vacation homes usually spike in the summer. As people go and enjoy, you know, their great week in the sun. And, you know, last year's sales in the U.S. had a, um, held steady at about 720,000 um, sale, sales units um, based on a, a, the survey. However, owning a second home is far more expensive and stressful than buyers or, or dreamers can ever imagine. Yeah, for sure. It can be. Yeah, I mean, you got to start with the dark side of that sunny, beautiful weather. And that is the upkeep, you know, I mean, at the coast, the sun, the salt, the wind, they are cruel to houses. Um, They quote one Virginia Beach uh, owner here, and they were shocked to learn that they need to put in new windows every six years. Wow. At their house. It just ate it alive. You know, that alone wiped out the entire summer of rental income per his advisor, yeah, storms, they take out roofs, they take out docks, seawalls, um, you know, replaceable only at exorbitant ro- rates. Yeah, you know, I have a, a, a friend that has a beach house, and yeah. when, when Matthew came through a couple of years ago, it did about $50,000 of damage to their, to their beach house, and insurance only covered ten. So they have insurance Ouch. on it, but there's, yeah. the way it's written, yeah, it's they, hard. They don't cover all so of it. So they had about right. forty grand out of pocket. There you go. I mean, that's a great example. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents had a beach house, and, you know, it was constant work trying mm-hmm. to keep that up to date, you know, and, and you've got to keep it in pristine condition if you're going to rent it, mm-hmm. you know, so you're competing with everybody there. So that's a problem, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there are a lot of familiar stories, you know. I mean, and they're, these properties, as they put it here, one advisor puts it, they're for family mem- memories, not for capital appreciation. <laughs> You know, and then there's also the utilities. There's association fees. There's lots of taxes. All often at high resort areas, <clears throat> um, the taxes are a lot more. In South Carolina, one beach town property taxes, uh, they quote here, are almost twice as much as for non-residents <clears throat> as they are for residents, even as the state slaps a 7% sales tax on short-term rentals. Um, and then there's the cost of upkeep that can squash the romantic notions of leaving your home to your kids and grandkids. Um, clients of one advisor wanted to leave their cherished uh, three-quarter of a million dollar getaway house in the Black Hills of South Dakota to their kids as a vacation home. Um, therefore, adult children loved that idea. They thought it was fantastic. Till they learned that it was going to cost them $48,000 a year in upkeep. Oh and that was going to be $1,000 a month for each. Ouch. To maintain it. Out suddenly, yeah, the house wasn't so beloved. And uh, the idea was quickly abandoned. And they decided to sell it after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start looking at the math on some of this, and it is definitely scary. Another example here is a, a client had paid 35000 a year in upkeep and interest on the house. They used it two weeks a year for family reunions at Christmas and the 4th of July. And the clients were already overspending their budget by about 40 grand a year. So they certainly could have used that additional money. So they sold the house after five years for a loss. Um, Unfortunately, whatever expense, you know, seems to be the most obvious to eliminate is often the last expense someone wants to drop. 
um, because they, uh, they, they love, they kind of have fallen in love with the, uh, the vacation home. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a great point, you know, and covering the cost by renting a place out is also rarely the answer. I mean, the rents quoted by the real estate agents in resort towns are often misleading. You know, they often fail to mention the fact that the rental agent is going to take up to 40% of the, of the hall for the rental. Um, you know, one woman against the advice of her planner, uh, spent way more money than she expected rebuilding a New Jersey beach house destroyed by Hurricane Sandy. When it was all done, she discovered that she'd be losing money by renting it out and eating into her savings. So she ended up having to sell the unit instead, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, renting also means letting strangers into your dream house. And, um, and they, they may uh, enrage enrage you to find out that they're doing different things in there. One one uh, owner was so disturbed by the high utility bills that he installed a remote thermostat only to discover the renters were setting the air conditioning at 66. Ooh, Ouch. That's kind of chilly. That's about temperature you set yours <laughs> at, right. isn't it, John? Uh, 76, but yeah. <laughs> they probably leave the, the windows open as well. And, and you know, then there's the risk that you would just never imagine, sometimes more ridiculous than, than grievous. Um, one client was fixing up their house to rent, and the toilets weren't working, so they had to go outside. The result was a horrible case of poison ivy, um, you know, and that story just doesn't get any better. <laughs> no, right. One of those places where you don't want poison ivy, right? That's right. <laughs> Probably. Serves them right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, by, buying a vacation home, you know, property is fine if that's your passion and the money won't be missed. You know, I mean, one advisor offers a guideline here, and that is, you know, add up all the expenses from your first home and all the possible expenses for the second home. And if that total is 30% or less of your net income, it's probably an affordable indulgence. Okay, but, you know, even financial planners will buy vacation homes. This Orange County, California planner, he had long dreamed of owning an apartment in his boyhood hometown of Buenos Aires. And he bought one this past year, he said, and he spent $110,000 renovating it. $50,000 $50,000 furnishing it. Um, he and his wife arrived to find that the bathroom sinks didn't drain, <laughs> the shower flooded, the washing machine spewed water, <laughs> um, two antique beds collapsed underneath them. And, uh, you know, so far he says he has no regrets, but it's still a little bit early. Yeah, the couple plans to spend four months a year there. He feels that trying to justify the purchase with a cost-benefit analysis, really just defeats the whole purpose, and he knows it's not a good investment. Yeah, so, you know, a second home fulfills a dream. It gives you bragging rights. He says, you know, if you got the money, there's nothing wrong with it, but don't kid yourself that it's going to be a great investment. They rarely are. Yeah, that attitude makes, you know, the, the whole point here. The appeal of owning a vacation property leads people to make foolish financial decisions and justify those decisions in all sort of illogical ways. And, you know, that tendency creates more uh, interested buyers and sellers and pushes the prices up, um, you know, more so than what's justified by the finances. So as a result, vacation properties, they typically cost more and they return less than other types of real estate. And they usually make a poor investment when you study the numbers. Right. So you really, you know, if you're counting this as an investment, you you really have to evaluate the investment side of it. You know, you need to evaluate a return on equity in addition to considering the risk of it as an investment. You know, so if you're leveraged with an 80 percent mortgage, that's a four to one leverage 
on your investment, right? So if you're going to have that kind of leverage, experts say you need to see about a 20% return on equity for that kind of investment because you're, you're leveraged. You're taking a lot of risk with leverage. So if you're buying a place with all cash, then they say 15% is okay if you're managing it yourself. You know, you can rarely make these returns with vacation properties. Vacation properties, they're attractive investment properties, but, um, you know, but they're active. You got you to gotta put a lot of effort into it. Um, they carry risk. Um, they require management and they have a lot of headaches. The stock markets return 10%, over 10% per year as a passive investment for over the past 80 years. You know, so you need to do see a better return if you can't diversify and you have to put a lot of effort in and have to assume all the risk of rental property. So the bottom line is um, you need to count the cost before you dive into buying a vacation property and be honest with yourself about why you're purchasing it in the first place. So that's kind of the moral of the story here. Yeah, I, I have two two friends that have um, actually beach homes down at Edisto, and so I, and I know them well, and I, I've talked to them about it, and it is a tremendous amount of work. Now, the rental income is good, but it 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 um it is challenging. You have people coming in your house, they break stuff. You have liability. It's a constant, like you said, it's an active investment, and not too many of these active investments pay off. So they, they have family that go and use it. So there's memories that they're creating and so forth, but it sure. is a lot of work. A lot of work. Yep, definitely. And, you know, when you do the, you know, and you think about how much equity you have in it, how much you have have invested in it, you know, as an investment, it needs to return a lot to mm-hmm. make back, you know, return on that investment over the years. And when you do the math for most people, I see returns that are, I don't know about you, but the returns I see over time are usually well below 10% per year. And plus you put a lot of effort into it as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to do the math. So anyway, a good topic though. And that leads us up here to our final topic. And that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this came from a client that um, is a, a, a real big Dave Ramsey fan and a great saver. And she sent this to me, and um, there's a, a uh, service out there, Steve, that um, will help you to, to negotiate your cost of your utility and phone and, and you know, TV and so forth. And the uh, website is called, um, I'll spell it out, it's billcutters.com, B-I-L-L-C-U-T-T-E-R-Z.com. And you can wow. basically um, engage them. They'll split the savings with you 50-50. So, you know, if you have time, she basically told me she didn't use this because she's now retired and she wanted to keep all the savings for herself. But if you're busy and you don't want to, you know, deal with all the different um, companies that that you pay money to, they will do it for you. That's pretty neat. So they'll actually call all your companies and negotiate discounts is what you're saying. That's right. That's a pretty good idea. You know, so if you're not the type that wants to be confrontational, you're giving up some of the savings, but it's savings, okay? I mean, That's you're right. already paying more than that. That's right. If you're not going to call them, this would be a good option. Right. Yeah, I got a couple things that I know I could get a better price. I went and negotiated and you know, that's not a bad idea if you're just just wanting to outsource that idea. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, they just have to keep calling, I guess, like once a year cuz the price goes yeah, back I up, know. you know. That's right. You got to ask so, for it too. No, no kidding. So that's a great prescription of the week. So it's billcutters.com with a z on the end. Yep. Pretty neat. All right, well that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info@moneymd.net. At 
or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVistor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 